I was not the keener student at the front of the classroom. And I truly had never been that way uh, through my academic career, so through, yeah. through elementary school. Um, I'm very social. I liked chatting with people and yeah. getting to know people. And, you know, that was always... That was always the feedback on the report card of the parent-teacher interview. Like, she'd be a great student if she'd just apply herself <laughs> and just focus a little bit. Welcome to another episode of The Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and today we have a very special episode. It's an episode which uh, we have probably for me will be the most special guest till now. And oh, <laughs> we have uh, my previous uh, program coordinator. Uh, I was into the digital marketing course, Laura Kittner, who has been uh, 15 years at SLC, if I'm correct. Yes. As a faculty member. And also you have been a student uh, at St. Lawrence College as well. Yes. So you're your you in the, part, the heart and soul of SLC, you kind of embodies the very spirit of St. Lawrence College. So, and the very, very sad news for me, and I guess for a lot of people, but also in a positive way, is that you will be leaving us soon as well. And uh, how do you feel now that, uh, you know, after 15 years here as a faculty member, and uh, three years is being your first college as well. How do you feel at a crossroad now in your life to finally like leave SLC? Mm. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to even selfishly just get to spend some time with you uh, a little bit more. It's been so busy with you going yeah. through the digital marketing communications program and now onto your second program, which is just project management at the college. So this is just a, a really... It's a treat for me, frankly, just to spend some time with you and see what you've done with the podcast. Mm -hmm. So thank you for having me on. And uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here talking with you today. And yes, it's been 15 years here at St. Lawrence College, a beautiful 15 years, a full 15 years, full of experiences, ups, downs. And I, I really feel as I'm at a moment of transition, as you said, I'm, I'm in the, this is my last my goodness, it's Wednesday. It's my last seven days as an employee oh. here at the college. So it's a bit surreal as I move on to another opportunity, which we'll discuss and, and how I feel about it. I think you use the term crossroads, yeah. and I think that's a great term. It's, I would say, I, I feel like I, I, coming to this decision certainly felt like I was at this crossroad in my life, professionally, personally. But it's, and, and really as well, this is a, was a bittersweet decision. So if you can appreciate, St. Lawrence College is a, a pretty spectacular place. It's mm -hmm. been a big part of my life, uh, certainly as a student. So as you said, I'm, yeah. I'm a proud alumni uh, of the college. And, uh, and to have the opportunity to come back and give back as a faculty member professionally has been like an absolute gift. And so... I, I've taken that role and that opportunity and that and really privilege quite seriously. And so at this point in making the decision to say, you know, as much as I love teaching in my role as a faculty member in the School of Business uh, and the projects I've had the opportunity to work on, students I've met, colleagues that have taught me so much during my time here, 
I also, and I'm sure lots of people can, you probably as well, we've talked a lot about your career journey Mm -hmm. and what led you here to the college. Sometimes you get this moment of you feel, I would describe it as restless. I think I felt, I was starting to feel a little professionally restless, so to speak. Just meaning that as a faculty member, when you're in a role as a, as a professor and as a faculty member, you do have, and we're very fortunate in the sense that you do have a tremendous amount of autonomy to just be great with your students, you know, yeah. to help train them for the industry and to stay current in your craft mm-hmm. and to really connect with your students. And that's something that you know, I always loved the most, I think, about the job that I took so much from just being able to have these relationships and understand, you know, what brought you into the program and what are your personal goals, your professional goals, and how can I help you with achieving those during your time here at the college? So that was always wonderful. And I I always appreciated the autonomy that St. Lawrence College provided to faculty to just be the best person you could possibly be for your students and in the classroom and outside of the classroom. But I love strategy. So at its core, you know, I'm, I am a marketer. I love branding. I love consumer behavior. I love the business of thinking and and developing strategy and solving problems. And I, I realized in the last few years, and certainly through the pandemic, I think, you know, a lot of us through the COVID-19 pandemic had a tremendous amount of time on our hands that we didn't normally have. And and I, I know for me, I use that as sort of reflective time of what do I want to do? What do I want the next five years, 10 years to look like? And uh, I started to write things down because for me, you know, sometimes all the thoughts can get jumbled around in your head. So I really take um, just a lot, it grounds me to write things down. Like I love lists and I love crossing things off the list. Even if it's like a really small task, when things feel overwhelming, I always find there's just this beautiful grounding simplicity of just a pen and a paper and a list Mm -hmm. and like there's a visual reaction of crossing stuff off. So I wrote a list of the things that I love to do professionally and that really fill me up and make me feel alive and challenged in great ways. How many of those I felt like I was getting for my current position and maybe some other trajectories I wanted to be on professionally. And that sort of led me to a point of, this is a point of an opportunity for me in my professional career. I have these great experiences now as a faculty member. How can I take that to the next level? And for me, doing that was moving out of teaching and into an academic administration role. You know, moving into more administration, strategy, leadership, Mm -hmm. so that hopefully... I can impact even more students like you and be part of what helps shape the college system for years to come. I believe so deeply in the college system and what we do here at Ontario Colleges, and I'm excited to be part of of, of doing that in the future. So the role that I'm moving into is a a role called chair. So it's a chair of communications and media in the School of Communications, Media, Arts, and Design at Centennial College. So I'll be relocating to Toronto I'm really excited about that portfolio. It's, um, you know, for me, it's kind of professionally where I've spent a lot of my time and grown up professionally in that field. And to move out of teaching and into administration now, for me, means I get this beautiful gift of, again, being part of helping to shape what makes Ontario Colleges special and what we do for students and supporting the diverse learners that we start to see now in Ontario Colleges, both you know, students domestically from Canada that have grown up here um, in this country and those that are coming from other countries and hoping to make the experience uh, a really positive one at, you know, all colleges across Ontario. So I'm excited about that new challenge. So you mentioned a list of yes. things you love crossing uh, where it's uh, 
I did that as well. Okay. I, uh, during my two months of holidays, I did a list of simplifying things. Because I'm in a brain which I love doing a lot of things. Because I want to do so much things, then you end up doing nothing. So I would like to know what was written on your list. What are the things which you wanted to achieve? On? Oh, great question. Yeah. And I love that you say that too, that you're a list person. Because I do think it, it's, and it's something that I recommend, you know, when I'm chatting with students and they're having the challenge you just articulated. There's so many things I want to do. And I think especially in our field, like it, it all fields, I think all disciplines yeah. and areas of study, but certainly so in marketing communications, digital marketing, where things are changing so quickly and you're often expected to wear many hats, solve many problems. That's uh, one big issue. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it really sometimes makes it overwhelming to kind of get all the ideas straight, make a decision and execute. Mm -hmm. And especially so for those of us, I think that are a little bit more inclined to strategic thinking as opposed to tactical thinking. Um, as well, having a list or an area where, again, just that very visceral pen and paper, writing things down, at least for me, has always helped me make sense of what's going on up here and, and, and getting that out on paper and actually seeing it and kind of having it stare me in, in the face and then also thinking about time. So all these things I have on my list that I either want to think about or I want to do, and these things can be as simple as, you know, like basic chores or errands that I need to run in a day or more um, altruistic things like my goals over the next little while. Again, I just find it helps me make sense of them. It gets it out of a busy mind, a noisy mind, uh, and, and onto paper. So what was on my list? This, as well, I should say, I give credit to the list to uh, a mentor, which I feel like I'm going to talk about in other questions that we'll get to in this interview, but it was someone that is a personal and professional mentor for me that even as a student gave me this advice. And it was at the time, you know, when I was a student, you know, late nineties and early two thousands, it was still at a time of the yeah. business card. Like the business yeah. card was still like the big thing. Mm -hmm. Everyone carried business cards. When you met somebody for the first time, you were exchanging business cards and you're paying attention to it. And it had all the, the important details. So the advice of this particular mentor was having he called it a goal card. And so for him, it was just taking it. it he liked the size that just, you know, you only have a little bit of real estate on a business card. But the idea was this would also just on the, the size of a business card on like the blank side, write down your goals for it could be the next 12 months, six months, five years. But they have to fit on that card. And keep it in your wallet was his advice because that's with you at all times. And at moments when you're, you know, waiting in the waiting room at a doctor's appointment or you're commuting. Just these little bits and moments that we have in our lives of time that's just for us. So not looking at your phone, um, you know, take it out and look at it and see, you know, does the list still make sense? Have I accomplished things? Are there things I can cross off? Am I closer to some of these goals? Do some of the goals not make sense for me anymore after three months? I'm moving in another direction and that's okay. Uh, that simple act has saved me personally, professionally, time and time again throughout my adult life. Like I just can't stress that enough in moments of, especially in moments for me of turmoil where I do feel things are out of my control. Mm -hmm. I still can control what I put on that card and it can change. It's so there's this like really beautiful sense of power. So what was on my list at that time? Again, I, I mentioned strategy. So it was, I'm hungry and I'm missing 
being a part of a strategic conversation for a bigger you know, organization and direction. As a faculty member, you see the strategy and you know the vision of the college mm -hmm. and you get excited about it and behind it and you realize that you're part of that bigger goal, but ultimately you're not part of creating that goal. You have influence. You're not really the one that's determining that. So I missed that. Uh, it was using my brain a little differently, like just being challenged with tasks that you know, weren't as familiar to me day to day as, uh, as the tasks of my current role in my job. So just feeling kind of professionally challenged and learning something new was exciting. And then other things on there too, just from a personal perspective, I felt like it was like time to shake it up and move. There was, mm -hmm. um, I have three children, two of those children, older boys are out of the nest, so to speak. So kind of in your position, meaning like they're, they're off, they're, they're, you know, in finishing up undergrad or moving into grad school. Another one so proud of has just graduated from an undergrad and is relocating and kind of starting his adult life. So I have a 12-year-old at home who's kind of portable. And it was yeah. also like personally a really interesting time where I just thought I could pull up stakes. I'm, I can move. And I think that for me, that discomfort of going somewhere where I don't really know anyone uh, was exciting. It was an opportunity. It was exciting. I like being uncomfortable. I think it's important for me and just in terms of learning and kind of pushing boundaries. And so I also, what was on that card, I wanted to be uncomfortable again. I realized that I was beautifully comfortable in my life. And what a privilege it is to say that, by the way. Yeah. I, I respect that and understand that that comes from a, a place of privilege to say that I was so comfortable and I wanted to make myself uncomfortable again. But that discomfort and challenge for me is just part of my own personal and professional development. So I was kind of hungry for that again. So those are some of the things at a high level that were on that card. Question. So have you, how long have you been in Kingston for? So I am, yeah. I am a full on townie. <laughs> I, ha I was born in Kingston. Yeah. I have spent time away. So in uh, early 20s, when I first started kind of my career path and journey, I spent stints, you know, two years, five years yeah. in, in a few different places. I uh, traveled a lot. Uh, at the probably first five to seven years of my career throughout Europe and the U.S. But Kingston, oh, like I was always, pulled me back. Family was here. Uh, interestingly, friends, like really great friends. We all sort of dispersed mid-20s to sort of figure out our lives. And then everyone gravitated back and started having families. And so there was this beautiful network here for me. Uh, and then professionally, opportunities happened here in Kingston. So it always pulled me back. It was kind of wild. And so that was also a motivation, too, to say, you know, I'd like now uh, to try something else for a little while as well. I was hungry to do that. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, like uh, at uh, this stage, you know, some people, like you say, you are in a very comfortable nest. Uh, and some people just, you know, I have uh, achieved what I wanted. You know, I'm good and it's just time. But it's, it's very courageous in some way, you know, to go into some form of discomfort uh, and to move to... Uh, new horizons and see what's out there and also the ambition of doing something more strategic mm -hmm. uh, I kind of understand you what uh, you mean by that sometimes you want to really influence at a bigger scale uh, you know at the Ontario level instead uh, of uh, you know just uh, at the a college level but you know to start to see the bigger picture as well certainly yeah, yeah. and do you have uh, any ideas what you want uh, in a fantasy world like if you could do some things immediately in your new position, what would you do? 
the first thing I'm focused on mm-hmm. is my, my own research just to understand the landscape. And yeah. so people, process is a big part of mm-hmm. you know, any larger institution. Of course, yeah. Uh, you know, and certainly public institutions, process is a big part of how things run. Mm-hmm. Departments run, people run, um, and process is a function of the strategy. But sometimes process can impede the strategy. But I, I think Always. for me... <laughs> for me <laughs> Uh, yeah. For me, and especially it, it, as an entrepreneur too, like mm-hmm. in terms of like my other life, the other hat I wear, as a business owner, um, you know, sometimes you, you it's in your nature just to buck process. Like if if you're faced with it, you just almost try to find ways to blow it up and start something new. But I respect it, and so I think, you know, if I if I consider goals or things I'm hoping to accomplish, at first it really is just I need to respect and understand the current landscape of the place that I'm going into, that I'm part of a very big puzzle. I'm one small piece. And so, and it was the same, you know, same kind of thing when I started here at St. Lawrence College. Sometimes you need to just sit back and be a bit of a sponge. Now, and, and just understand, you know, who are the stakeholders, what's the experience that is already being, you know, provided and seen by learners, by faculty, by support staff, admin, you know, management, leadership. And so at first for me, it's just be a sponge, uh, understand the landscape, understand each of the departments and the students and why they have, you know, chosen that particular environment and just do my research. So I've, I've really, I think, to me, listening goes a long way of just listening and investing in the people first. Yes, there's a lot of process, but, the, the you know, the process always comes back to the people. So just investing my time and getting to know the people and, how they make things run in that environment. And from there, then I, I hope to support what they're doing and help push them in, you know, within my portfolio and the things that I can influence, support the great people that have, have gotten the department to where it is, work with them to remove barriers. So as much as I possibly can in influence, you know, remove barriers that maybe are um, not conducive to the process or have been a challenge maybe there's just a new way of looking at it i think that's sometimes the advantage of bringing someone new in that they're coming in with these fresh ideas and i i hope and suspect that that's a part of why i was selected for this role is to bring in those new ideas and innovation but respecting the process that's there and and being collaborative that's always been a big part of me too that you can't do these things alone that there's so many stakeholders and how can you collaborate and bring the best parts of all these you know different people and processes together and then sort of reinvent a new way Uh, of looking at it or approaching it. So it's, I think it'll be a long runway of listening, seeking to understand, um, getting to know all the great people that are in that environment, and then sort of using that to to come up with a collective way to move forward. And uh, you said of being a sponge, and uh, one thing that uh, came to my mind was a guinea pig for some (laughs) reason. And because you mentioned off the podcast, like, oh, you're a guinea pig. Uh, oh, a capybara. Uh, capybara. What, what would be my spirit animal? Yeah. I think it was the question Cap- in the jungle. Cap- and I said a capybara because Cap- everyone loves them. Yeah. They're like the, the happiest little animal. Yeah. So you will be a capybara. Sure. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully yeah. the reason I love them, and just to get back to that <laughs> question, was because in, in the animal kingdom, yeah. they're like the most, I don't want to say loved animal because I don't necessarily seek to be loved. But empathetic in that they hang out with the predators they hang out with all kinds of different wildlife and they're just like the most chill happy animal that gets along with everyone yeah. that's like 
that's my jam. I could be a capybara. <laughs> so let's get back a bit to being a capybara at SLC. Okay. Uh, and uh, a flashback to when you started your whole journey as a student. Oh, as a student. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What do you want to know about Laura as a student? Well, <laughs> I think all our audience would like to know how was Laura like coming in as a 18, 19 years old into college, like. How how would you describe yourself if you close your eyes right now and see? Oh, that was me. Oh goodness. Okay, I, I mean, I'd love to tell you that I'm exactly as I am right now, and I think there's aspects of that that ring true. I've sort of always been me. However, I, I was not the keener student at the front of the classroom, and I truly had never been that way uh, through. My academic career, so through, yeah. through elementary school, um, I'm very social. I liked chatting with people and yeah. getting to know people, and you know that was always that was always the feedback on the report card of the parent-teacher interview. Like she'd be a great student if she'd just apply herself <laughs> and just focus a little bit. But um, so I was still that way, like pretty social, like to chat with people, enjoyed what I was learning. But was, you know, I would definitely would have been considered when I think about the different types of students and archetypes that you meet in a classroom as a faculty member, I was certainly one of the ones that was probably at the back. And I would also say maybe, I would hazard to guess, maybe kind of easy to forget, like easy to miss at first. Um, however, there was a turning point for me as a student, and it was in my late in my second year okay. as a student. And again, it's um, back to this particular mentor, which I'll maybe name at the end of this, but it was a faculty member that I had, that I had had for um, either two or three different courses over my career mm -hmm. as a student. And I'll never forget, he one day in class said to me, it was near the end of the semester, so he was like tallying up final marks. And he said, you know, Laura, I'm looking at my marks for you. And they're tallying up to be like a B, like a solid B, even some cases a B minus. Like you're an A plus student. Like where what is happening? What is the disconnect? You are an absolute, no question in my mind, A plus student. So why aren't you acting like an A plus student? And like I didn't B, Yeah, like <laughs> I didn't have an answer. Like yeah. I, I and I guess I I had never ever before as a student had anyone challenge me that way. Like mm -hmm. again, you had those comments of like if only she'd apply herself, but it truly was, I saw it as, I almost felt accountable to him to be an A-plus student because he believed in me. It was almost like, wow, he sees something in me that no one has ever mentioned and I didn't even really necessarily see in myself up until this point. I, I really almost felt this obligation to him to be like, yeah, I've got to level up. I'm an A-plus student. I'm not acting like an A-plus student. And it, like, that fundamentally changed the way I approached the work that I did the way I approached how I carried myself, mm. truly, like, I'd never thought of it before. And I all of a sudden was like, well, I have to kind of, like, fake it till you make it. I, I yeah. Truly, in a weird way, yeah. it was like, okay, I need to be an A-plus student. And so I studied harder. I moved up to the front of the class. I put my hand up more. I took risks and didn't worry about if I had the wrong answer or if mm. I sounded funny. I just stopped worrying about what everybody else thought and really just felt like you know I, i'm worth investing in mm -hmm. 
and I'm worth pushing myself. So that was like this pivotal moment. So that I think changed. There was sort of the Laura as a student <laughs> prior to that, that like had a lot of fun. Yeah. Had a lot of fun <laughs> in my undergrad, very social, participated, met everybody, did all the things extracurricular wise. question. What stage are still there? <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> that is a popular question. Yeah. Absolutely. You <laughs> could find me at any of the local establishments yeah. in the hub uh, at any point, having a great time and dancing and meeting people and like joy to vive. Like I had a great time. Yeah. Um, but what was the music like? What was the music like? It was yeah. so good. Like music in, I think one of the questions we may get into eventually is music, but uh, like at that point it was so late nineties, early two thousands. So that was sort of the onset of a lot of like mm -hmm. dance. Um, but still hip hop was really great at that point. Oh, yeah. Um, and I love like just a deep layer of nineties, like late eighties, nineties hip hop, even to this day, like mm -hmm. love Tupac, love, oh, on, yes. love Wu -Tang, like all that. So Big Papa. Yeah. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So music then it was great. Like it was, it was a lot of fun. So yeah. the, there was the pre- Pre that moment yeah. and post that moment and that mm. moment of him believing in me allowed me to rise up and fulfill this obligation, not only to him, but to myself. Mm -hmm. And that fundamentally changed my work ethic as a student and my work ethic for the rest of my career. It truly was, was this one person. Yeah. And uh, I think we can see that process in a lot of students uh, yes. coming to St. Lawrence College, be it any age group. And uh, my question is, how challenging was that process of that moment when he made you realize you could be an A-plus player? What were the hard times and what were the, uh, for example, what did you do to make that transition from B to A-plus player successful? What did you do? It's a so great that it question. It can help some students who, who feel like this right now. And it's, and I, I take that question in the context of I've done that with students because of him doing that with mm -hmm. me, as I eventually, you know, ultimately my career led me into, you know, the privilege of being a an educator. Myself, is I saw the Lauras in a classroom that were, you know, instinctively at the back and yeah. just we always, you know, I always look at when you meet a new class for mm -hmm. the first time, you have it's kind of three, three core groups. You have the, like, very clearly, you know, you could refer to as, like, out of the gate star students, high achievers. Mm -hmm. They're going to sit at the front. They're going to participate. They're going to put their hand up. Keeners. Like, they have very specific goals. A-type personality. Then you have the opposite end of the spectrum for whatever reason, right? Like, learners that have different challenges. They're not coming to the table with that same drive, interest. Uh, they have other barriers personally, professionally, that are, they're stopping them from being at that level of the star students. And they need some of our, you know, how do you reach them in a way that's meaningful to them, that's motivating. And then you have this, what I refer to, the mushy middle that can be influenced mm -hmm. either way. That yeah. the mushy middle of those that it's like, okay, I could gravitate toward and like mm -hmm. rise up. Or if I'm not motivated, if I'm not cultivated, if someone doesn't take interest in me or push me or tell me I'm the A-plus student, I might gravitate toward qu kind of quietly, you know, even as well, like withdrawing in many cases, withdrawing from the academics, withdrawing from the experience mm -hmm. itself. And so, you know, as an educator, your challenge is often, how do I hit everybody in a way that's meaningful for them, yeah. reach them in a way that's meaningful? And that happens in, you know, the way that you structure 
your classroom time, but it really starts to happen in the way that you spend like one on. So for me, it was always one on one time. How can I get FaceTime with every student, just like just even for a tea, just to talk to them about what brought them here, and what does life look like outside of that classroom? Because I know when I have you in the classroom, you know, even if it's a little bit divided, I do have your attention a little bit, even if it's only ten percent, and I can work with that. But what else is pulling for your attention outside of the classroom? Work, family life, sometimes it's children, partners, being away from home. And so you're pulled with connecting with family at all hours of the evening. So what, what else is, is a factor in your life that's impacting your time in the classroom and potentially getting in the way of or muddying your potential for success. And again, I look at as in it, how do I remove that barrier? How can I help you remove that barrier? How can I help you develop the list so that we can work through it together so that you can find success that's meaningful for you? Because success doesn't mean an A+. Plus. I, I want to stress that yeah. too. It's not yeah. grades. Success is defined as so many different things. It's Absolutely. beautifully subjective. That's the beauty of it. And, and so it is like, what do you want to accomplish? And how do I help you get there? And for me, how I did that, uh, in, you know, living up to that, you know, quote, A plus student, I, I wasn't always fussed with grades necessarily, but it, it, I took it as work ethic. How do I behave mm -hmm. as the star student? And then ultimately, it's like if you walk the walk long enough, you it, it, the output comes because yeah. you're putting in that work. Mm -hmm. And so, again, it was uh, looking at how much I was working, like how much of my time was spent not on academics. So yes, there was like my bum and seat listening in the classroom, mm -hmm. but then homework time, research, studying, mm -hmm. what was that ratio in comparison to social Laura time work? Cause I worked the entire time that I was in school and other things that I needed to do to help me be healthy. Mm -hmm. Like whether that was like physical activity, gym time, mm -hmm. things like that. So I just had to switch my ratios a little bit. I realized that what was off balance for mm -hmm. me was the social. There was a lot more social happening yeah. than there was academics. And that was a sacrifice I was willing to make mm -hmm. if I wanted to be that, you know, to live up to that A-plus mentality. Yeah. Uh, and so it was rationing down, rationing down my social time and reinvesting into my academics in terms of just research. So yeah. for every hour I was spending in class, I was spending at least that out of class, just being curious about what I was learning, questioning it but also having conversations. So more conversations with that particular professional mentor and other people that I started to identify with their career path and what they were doing that I found interesting and trying to find ways to have, we refer to them now often as like information interviews. I think you did yeah. some in, in the program. How can I just have conversations with other people that I find inspiring and learn from them? And uh, one other question, like, uh, again, like that transition for students. You said you spent uh, a lot of time in a social circle. And uh, how did, uh, you know, it's a time bank, so you reduce your time into the social circle and you add it more into your personal growth, kind of balance, if you want it. And for many college students, uh, you know, we have this very close-knit, tight group of friends. How did your friends take it at that time? Or did you have to reduce the number of friends also? I had to, sure, you have to look at, mm -hmm. you know, the company you keep. Yeah. I think that's a that's an important piece throughout your entire life. I, I have the same conversations with my 12-year-old son about, you know, friend circles and 
you know, especially when you're younger, you're so influenced by your friends and defined mm-hmm. by your friends and what they're doing. And there are these pressures to keep up or play a certain sport or not play a certain sport or audition for the play or not audition for the play because your friends don't think that's cool, but maybe you're interested. And so I think that's something that affects us as children all the way up into adulthood. But the, the company you keep is so critically important. And a, a lot of this for me came down to, and it was something, it's something I continually still have to work on, although it's easier now. I feel like I've, I've, I've understood it a little more and I'm able to articulate my decisions and against or for something or how I'm spending my time a little better, less agonizing over it, but it's, it's recognizing how to thoughtfully and tactfully say no. Because time, time is your most precious resource. And how you spend it necessitates everything else in your life. And so, yes, there were times where I'd, I'd have to look and say, socially, I love my friends, or I love this particular group of friends, and I love what they're doing, and it's really, really fun. But for right now, I maybe need to withdraw from that for who knows how long. And maybe you don't even have to set a time, but just Right now, I need to withdraw from that a little more and invest some more time into these particular activities. You know, we're talking about academics, but it could be it could be sleep. Truly, it could just be like, I just need to invest some more time <laughs> yeah, in good sleep. Uh, or I need to invest some more time in the outdoors, like off a screen. And invest some more time just getting to know myself. When we were off camera, off podcasting just a moment ago, we were talking about the most important relationship that you have is the one that you have with yourself. And so there are times where you need to say no and you need to be guarded with how and where you're spending your time because as you develop personally and professionally and you find success, more opportunities come up, which is really exciting. And you feel compelled sometimes sometimes to say yes everywhere to everybody because you don't want to let anybody down. You don't want to let yourself down. You don't want to miss an opportunity for something. But... Sometimes there is just beautiful empowerment in mindfully and considerately saying no. No, thank you so much for the invitation. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do that tonight. And also recognize you don't always have to say why. You don't have to say why. I'm a big believer. There's a, um, I love Sam Harris. Well, I think we talk about, well, maybe we'll talk about other podcasts later. But love, love, love Sam Harris. His podcast, he's a, neuroscientist, philosopher, just incredible man, author, podcaster. But there's a book that he wrote. It's actually an essay that he published called Lying. And it's it's a tremendous, I recommend everyone read it. It's a short read, again, essay. But it essentially talks about the impact lying has on our psyche and our lives and our relationships, even small white lies of, you know, you wanted, you had plans to go out. I feel like everyone can identify with this. You said yes to something. And then it comes down to that night two hours before you have to go and you're just like oh my gosh I'm so tired I've had the worst day the last thing I want to do is rally and go out to this particular thing whatever it is and so you conjure up a little white lie as to why you can't go I'm so sorry I can't go I'm just not feeling well or oh my this urgent issue came up with my great aunt Maria (laughs) I I can't be there tonight and just the impact of just these little white lies 
can have because they build up over time. And so somebody asks you about like, oh gosh, Sean, like how's your great aunt Maria? I heard you couldn't come the other night. And then you have to be like, right, that was a lot. So I'm just, sometimes you can just say no and say thank you for the opportunity and leave it at that. You don't need to create something or you can just be honest and say, unfortunately, I won't be attending tonight. I'd had a long day. I just don't have the energy to do it. And so saying no thoughtfully you know, recognizing that you're fortunate to have all these great opportunities socially, professionally, to attend these events, participate in these opportunities. The art of saying no, respectfully for me, was something I continue to work on. But that was, I think it started then in that sort of turning point for me in my life uh, and went off balance. Because Certainly in your career, you just say yes to everything because you just want to experience everything and then you pay for it uh, in productivity and your own kind of mental and physical well-being. But um, really working on how you spend your time and realizing that you don't have to give everyone everything all the time is quite empowering and, and does help you with productivity and staying on track with goals. And uh, coming on, like, uh, you transitioned to an A-plus player in, in your studies, but also in life, I guess. You're, you're very much an A-plus person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. You can fake it till you make it. Maybe yeah. I look. But whatever I wear, my, yeah. it's, it reminds me of something, just as an aside. So you're very sweet to say that. I don't necessarily identify with that. I'm a work in progress. I think we all are. But jokingly, whenever I wear my glasses, my husband will come in the room and be like, gosh, you look smart. <laughs> and then my response always, without fail, is, well, as long as I look it. So it's, I don't have to be, as long as I can appear. Um, so I don't necessarily feel like an A-plus player all day long, all the time. Absolutely not. And I'm not. Like, let's be frank. I'm not. I'm a work in progress, just like everyone else. Well, just so you know, to many of us, you are. Oh, very and, sweet. Uh, very sweet. Thank you. Being a, After being an A-plus student, so how did you get started as a marketer? Oh, okay. Because did digital marketing exist at that time? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it does. Some kind of email. It's a long story, but I'll make it really quick. How about this? Because I think, again, it's an, it's, it's an important story. Um, and it's one that you can identify with, and many students as well, certainly in a college sector, but it, in any higher ed sector. Um, and it relates to how I got started. And this field actually relates to work placement, interestingly. Sort of how I, I mean, I was studying for this. I, I uh, was really always interested in public relations, journalism, and just communications in general was, was something I was quite interested in, and that's what I was studying at the time. Uh, but I got my first opportunity, I guess, or crack at it of trying it was through a work placement. And uh, like many students, when you get presented with a work placement opportunity, you research it and, and you're you know really mindful about the type of experience that you're going to get and where you're working and who you're working with and potentially the projects that you could be collaborating on while a student because you want to maximize that opportunity. And ultimately, it's a beautiful kind of head start into the workforce. And so I had done that. I had secured a placement that I was really excited about that was predominantly based on public relations, and it was in the healthcare sector, and it was like locked and loaded, and I was actually ahead of the game. This was this was like A-plus lore at this point. <laughs> I'm just trying to be ahead of deadlines and getting all these things done. Yeah. I felt really good about it, this work placement I had secured. And this same mentor, like throws curveballs in my life constantly, um, it was probably about two weeks before work placement was intended to begin passed me in the hallway and said, hey, I've got this opportunity. I know you already have a work placement secured, but this other opportunity came across my desk. It screams you. I really think you should look at it. There's something here. And 
come talk to me about it after. So I had a conversation with him. It was a very different opportunity in a small town, like a really small town and a manufacturing facility. And just for context, again, as, as a marketer, an up-and-coming marketer, I was not yet, but an aspiring marketer, and I feel like you can really empathize with this. I had sights on, like, big, sexy consumer brands. Yeah. That's what I wanted to work on. Um, I, you know, I, th I thought that was really interesting and complex. I wanted to move big city. And so the prospect of this alternative work placement opportunity in a small town, and by small town, I'm talking like 4,000 people at the time, working in a manufacturing facility. And what this company was manufacturing was printer toner cartridges. Oh, okay. So like, I see where we're getting. Kind of like the most unsexy thing that you could market. But I trusted this mentor. I trusted his judgment. I saw that I felt like he saw something in me. So I chased it. Uh, I went there for the work. It was it was a really, really bumpy ride. I was given. I actually regretted it after the first couple of weeks. I was like, I've made a terrible mistake. I should have just went with my original choice. This company doesn't like it was kind of disorganized. They, mm -hmm. No one really knew why I was there. And my first job. My first job on the first day was I was asked to organize a storage closet. That was my like truly I was yeah. brought in. They opened it up. Floor to ceiling, just full of files, boxes, disorganized, dusty. And I was pointed to it and said, it was basically, come, let me know when you're done. And they walked away. And then, the, you know, those are pivotal moments where you look and say, you, you know, option one, you could quit. Just be like, this is crazy. I am more than this. I am an aspiring marketer. Like, I have all these ideas. Let me into the boardroom. I'm going to solve all the problems for this company. You know, I, I was a bit crestfallen. So one, I could have quit. Two, you know, like you put your head down, try to make the best of it. And so I, I didn't, again, I didn't want to let this mentor down. He thought it was a good idea. I trusted him. I was like, well, he's, there's got to be something here. So instead of just organizing the closet, I read everything I was organizing. Yeah. I looked at the files, okay. looked at the documents, mm -hmm. understood what they were. And it was actually all files related to this event that the company used to run. It was like this uh, event that raised money for a not-for-profit it was cancer research it was a cycling event it brought in professional cyclists from all over the world into this particular town and it kind of happened over an off-season point in the town so it would still help like kind of kickstart and call uh, kickstart and cultivate tourism but when i was reading it i could see that it had generated a lot of negative publicity people being cranky that streets were you know closed they didn't um communicate or market the event enough so people really didn't know what was happening in terms of community members i just read and realized this is really exciting and it looks like there's so much potential here if someone would just take it and run it and so as i was cleaning it i started taking notes i wrote a proposal about if they were to continue to run this event in the future here are some recommendations that i may have to help them maximize the amount of money that they could raise to get community involvement on board so that it would be seen as a positive and not a negative for the community and hopefully hopefully bring in more cyclists for it and truly was i finished the organizing task wrote this all up printed it out and bound it and slid it across the desk of the the president of the company who i was terrified of i was terrified of him at the time slid it across and then basically like backed away just said, if you had a moment to read it, I just put some ideas together. Two days later, he came back and called me into his office and was like, did you write, you wrote this? I was like, yes, I did. You know, I just, I, I know you didn't ask me to, but 
I started reading what I was organizing and I found it quite interesting. And I do have some training in, in marketing. That's what my undergrad has been. And I just thought there were some ideas, but you know, by no means you don't have to take any advice. I just thought I, I was offered a job on the spot. And that's how I got my start. I started working for that community. I ran that event for several years. Uh, I started as a marketing assistant. And I'll, I'll tell you full disclosure, I made $25,000 a year. And I thought I was a millionaire. <laughs> I was like, you mean that I'm going to get every, I have to do, like, you know, just work really hard. And every two weeks, this is what I get without fail. This is what I make. And I have some vacation time. And I can be sick and paid for it. Like it was Wild in terms of just adulting mm -hmm. when you're yeah. 22 at the time. Um, and that's it, all started there. And I moved within that company, marketing assistant, to uh, gosh, I think marketing coordinator, then to a manager, director. Ultimately, by the time I finished with that company and its sister company, I finished as a vice president of marketing and global business development uh, about eight years later. Wild. All because I organize a storage closet. Hey, that, that's I'm speechless. You know, I'm usually I have a lot of things to say. I, it's all kudos to you. You know, having making the best out of what's available to you. Mm -hmm. it, it reminded me such of a quote which I read in a book, and you know, uh, the grass isn't greener elsewhere. The grass is greener where you water. Where you water it, yeah. absolutely. Well, and uh, frankly. Yeah. This is you, like you've done this, you, you and many students like you where you give up, you know, you've come here, you've left home, you had a career, you had a fantastic under, you know, graduate degree, education, everything like you're, and you're leaving everything, you know, to take a chance on yourself, on reinvention, on investing in yourself, on an adventure in another country, in, you know, investing in another discipline in a market that you don't understand at first. I mean, you've, you've done this. You are the walking billboard and many students like you, your classmates throughout this college of, you know, doing the best that you can with the circumstances that are in front of you. And frankly, 90% of the time they are less than ideal. And it's, what are you going to make of it? You know, are you going to quit? And it's sometimes it's okay to quit too. I'm not advocating like never quitting because yeah. you do have to ask for help and, um, you know, realize sometimes there are just things that will not serve you or situations that don't serve you in that moment or make sense. But you do this every day. You emulate the ability to iterate and figure it out on the fly and and find the meaning, find the message and the experience in it and take it with you to the next thing. <laughs> I feel like I'm leaving you speechless the whole time and maybe that's a really bad thing. Oh no, it's it's very inspirational, you know. Like, uh, so I'm into the moment. I'm fully. You are one of the rare person that captures my focus a lot. Like, I usually in the HD gang, I always run out at some point. Like <laughs> the five minutes I'm out with you. <laughs> like, uh, uh, but anyways, you know, it's it's very very inspiring. I guess you know just. Being in that closet now, you know what I was thinking. I was thinking every time I was in the closet <laughs> organizing, for, oh, I should have done that. You know, some, sometimes in hotels you land on some very fishy documents, <laughs> which you, oh, for sure, you, you don't want to uh, just annoy. It's a very folkloric industry. If you are like in very managing like star hotels, but the management still, uh, it's in something else. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, you know, you you have this. Uh, I think. Uh, 
this mentality which this mentor applied to you which made you like always like oh i need to live up to his uh, potential that he sees in me to the yeah. potential that he so i think that was very good account sometimes for me i realize uh, i can be better than you <laughs> you know there's this new motto which i go by like uh, you know it's very hard uh, finding inspiring people sometimes for me uh, right. because i don't know some part of me is like uh, my biggest challenge is myself mm-hmm. is like I know I can do great things just if I put the willpower to do it. But sometimes there's that competitive ego inside of me. Oh, but there's no one competing with me. So what will I achieve? I need, I've need. i always like performed best when I had sort of a rival instead of a mentor. And like a friendly rival, you know. I right. love yeah. having someone besides saying, hey, I'm doing this. Okay, you're doing this. So now I'm going to, you know, it's maybe because of the athletic mindset, which I always had, you know, I should win, you know, like... And this is my new catchphrase. I'm not the best. You might be better. But as the underdog, the bottom line is I win. Mm-hmm. Because my name is Sean Ozier. That's my new catchphrase. <laughs> Watching too much uh, old school wrestling content so far. No, I think that's... There's so much yeah. power and beauty in what you're saying, for sure. And ultimately, a couple of things I want to just super quick unpack with that. One is I think you recognize... And you're seeking out and hopefully you're working to be in a position where you are not the smartest person in the room. Absolutely. And for all of us, that's same mentality for me. If I'm the smartest person in the room, I need to get up and leave. Yeah. It's, I, I have to go find other people that are going to push me, challenge me, disagree with me. If, if, you know, I love having my mind changed and I love sitting with people that I fundamentally maybe disagree with like viscerally sometimes on, t- on particular topics and just being open to hear them out. And I think, you know, societally, we talk about this a lot, that we've kind of lost that art due to, to media and echo chambers and continually just being, this is like in, in marketing, yeah. right? Like you just, you're, you're continuing to feed an audience exactly what it is that they want to hear and reinforce their beliefs because that's comfortable and that keeps eyeballs onto a particular topic. But in, in life, I, it's critical that we continue to surround ourselves with people that are different than us. And by different, it could be, you know, again, socially things that they're involved in, their opinions, what they're reading, what they're talking about, what they believe in, cultural beliefs, societal beliefs, all those things I think are, are critical. But also intellectually as well, again, just seeking out, finding other folks that will help us rise up, but also being humble enough because you are, you're, you know, you're a very talented, driven, competitive person. And as you say, like athletically, like you push yourself and, you know, mentally you're continue. you're very thoughtful. Uh, you spend a lot of time, you know, working on yourself as a whole person, spiritually, intellectually, physically, mentally. And I think it's easy sometimes where you look and say, well, I don't suffer fools. You know, I don't want, I'm not going to waste my time with people that aren't going to add to my experience my human experience so i think i don't i'm not necessarily i don't yeah. want to project that on yeah. you but i think it is and i get like this too sometimes where i'm just like i don't have time i don't have yeah. time for the relationships i just have time mm-hmm. for what i need to get done but you miss so much of what makes life beautiful and messy and exciting by being open to those so it's even it's something i have to work on all the time as well as just being open to those other human experiences that maybe on the surface like i can't see make a lot of sense for me in that moment but 
recognizing that even just in that conversation, there's so much I can learn and take from those people. So continuing to be open to it. I know it's easier said than done. Yeah. Now coming back to your field, like uh, digital marketing, which you're a business owner as well mm -hmm. of an agency, like, yes. uh, and uh, also digital marketing 10 years ago now and five years maybe from now, it won't be the same. It's an ever-changing field. And we hear all the, always the big terms, the hype of terms like Web 3.0, AI, Metaverse. Uh, and uh, not long ago, three years ago, people were saying SEO is game-changing uh, and everything. And now SEO is like almost fundamental. It needs to be here. It's everyday talk. And nowadays people are like Web 3.0, AI, blah, blah, blah. So according to you, what... Uh, Oh, your advice to students who are studying in that field or anybody who is interested in some form of digital marketing, how to keep up with all this information coming in, digital marketers should do that, should do that, should do that. So uh, what you just articulated about the constant change mm -hmm. is what I love about this particular discipline, like mm -hmm. this craft from a, from yeah. a marketing perspective. And you, know, you mentioned digital. But I, I think it just it, as a whole, um, as a profession, the marketing profession and all the different facets that come with that and these like different silos of areas of focus within marketing, digital being one of them. And even digital has all these multiple options. Yeah. That it is such an ever-changing, iterative, subjective. I think that's the beauty mm -hmm. in it is that it is so subjective. It is like art. And I know that true artists might hate what I just said. And, I do. And, and think. <laughs> think <laughs> I'm not an artist, but I an artist's mind sir but i i do see it as there's beauty in it and there's mm -hmm. power in it um to continually learn and be open to the fluidity of the process and the ever-changing nature of it that I, I that's always what i've loved because you're always getting to know this new concept a new trend mm -hmm. a a mindset from a consumer perspective of why we react to certain messages or visuals or stories that we hear and and to me true successful communications and marketing and branding is just a series of stories it's like how and that's who we are as marketers we're storytellers yeah um like we're we truly are if we're doing it properly we're storytellers and we're great listeners as well because we're it's it's reciprocal it's like a conversation that we're having with our audience and society at large so in terms of how you how you stay on top of the change, the constant change. And that can be so stressful and overwhelming, even as a student. Like there's stuff sometimes that you'll start the semester in a particular course and something yeah. could have changed, like, mm -hmm. you know, with web marketing in the course that you had. Yeah. Um, and that's that's typically one that uh, that I had the, the beautiful advantage of teaching for a long, long time. And every semester it was like you were blowing up the course content and revisiting again because things change so quickly with algorithms and you mentioned SEO, um, everything to do with digital advertising. Like it's just, it's, you know, the, the algorithms in and of itself that control yeah, what we do. The algorithm change. Instagram is like crazy. It changes it so much. Precisely. Like, right. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We need to get into social, um, yeah. uh, social media as well. So how you stay current is I think just as a, a truly a, sh a function of just working in it day to day forces you to maintain currency because you're you're in the tools, the respective mm -hmm. tools. However, based on the industry that you're in, uh, the platforms that you're using or the audience that you're commanding, 
sometimes, you know, you have to leave certain digital channels alone and really go all in, you know, on one or two, yeah. for example. So those could be social channels. Um, you know, if you're in a business-to-business -business environment, you may be still using some other elements of marketing that are a little bit more traditional. Mm -hmm. Like you may be still focusing on events yeah. um, and thought leadership through like webinars and writing, like content marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, and you may, you may not be using pure and applied like consumer social channels for social advertising like an Instagram or a TikTok, yeah. um, you know, YouTube, YouTube shorts, those types of things. Um, and so as a result, you may not be as current in those areas. You may use them personally, but professionally you're not there. So it's, again, I think as much as possible using the tools day to day. Um, find, for me, a key too has been like find one or two industry thought leaders. That you like, you just you feel like you identify with their position, you identify with the way that they approach uh, their thinking and their strategy, and even just the medium for which they communicate. So maybe you just really love a particular person because you like their podcast, you like their approach to podcasting, and you draw inspiration from that. Or maybe it's a blog. Um, so some common ones for me that are pure applied marketing uh, is Seth Godin has been around forever and yeah. he was sort of like the godfather of branding and marketing strategy and and for me uh when i was up and coming was was pretty foundational in industry and even today i still you know hold a lot of respect from him read every one of his books and uh recommend him quite consistently to students as well just as a starting point because yeah. he's really practical like he's yeah. lovely practical plain english um great examples that i think anyone can understand if you're just starting out or mm -hmm. if you're a seasoned professional uh, Jonah Berger is another one. Um, now, he's more of kind of consumer behavior, why we respond, you know, the psychology of why we respond to, you know, the messages and people and branding that we do and why we ignore others and, and really focuses on points of influence. Uh, and he's written multiple books. I, I would say the must read for most marketers is Contagious, Why Ideas Catch On. I'd say that's a perfect starting book. I recommend it to all my students. Uh, in a first-year consumer behavior class uh, course that I used to teach, it was it was the reading and the foundation for the course, so I think you'd really enjoy it as well. And another one that's Canadian, who's been around forever, uh, is more of a radio personality. Well, I shouldn't say that. He's not a radio personality. Radio is his medium, uh, and is his medium. It was Terry O'Reilly, uh, and he, uh, author, big, big agency guy in terms of branding, kind of pioneer in the age industry, uh, advertising industry, uh, had some great philosophies on, again, brand storytelling and consumer influence that are just so inspirational. So for me, those were kind of like my core three people that I continue to follow and still do to this day. Everyone's are different. So I would say just like find your people and, um, you know, commit to an hour a week of just reading from them or listening, consuming what they're saying. Uh, and then it, it, Honestly, certifications, education, and, and continuing to be certified in different proficiencies and skill sets now has never been more accessible. So, like, free certifications through HubSpot, Google, uh, Coursera, LinkedIn Learning, any of those, I think, are great just for, like, the, mm -hmm. you know, the real tactical things that are changing all the time yeah. related to SEO and digital marketing are great just to keep you current. And, uh, again, reading conferences, events, if you can get out to any of those and even just attend virtually just to be inspired and kind of kickstart your thinking are, are all great ways. And then last but not least, I'll really just quickly touch on AI and Web 3.0. Yeah. Just because everyone's talking about specifically AI to Web 3.0 is, you know, that's crept into our lives. Mm -hmm. 
through you know voice assistance and gaming and just the you know our the two worlds colliding of our physical selves and our virtual selves and before those were like kind of two very separate things you know there's this sean that you see in person and then perhaps the sean that shows up online on different social platforms or or gaming platforms or whatever that convergence has has i think squarely happened it's not happening it has happened and it will continue to be how we can exist and move through the world and acquire products service knowledge relationships mm. Um, I, I just think it to me opportunistic. Like it's it's just this really exciting time yeah. just to be a part of media and specific to AI and how we can yeah. continue to use that. Uh, that's a bigger conversation, tons to unpack there. To me, again, I just look at we are at this critical point of disruption as it relates to artificial intelligence and what it's going to mean for us as a human race, like existentially. I used to joke like five years ago <laughs> that AI was like the most terrifying, like what keeps you up at night? And I would say <laughs> AI, <laughs> like truly. Um, because you just know, it's like I don't even yet understand the potential, but I know just like anything that has that much power, it's like what do you use it for, evil or, or good? Um, but I really, I have, I'm optimistic. Mm. I see it as a tremendous potential for all of us. And to me, it's how you use the tool. It's actually less about the tool itself, ChatGPT, uh, Google Bard, any of the, you know, any of them now. To me, it's the prompts. It's the critical thinking. It's how you, what you ask of the artificial intelligence and how you interact with it. That is critical. It's not the tool itself. It's how you use the tool and the prompts yeah. that you use to get what you want out of the tool. It's a tremendously exciting time for higher education specifically. I think it's it's a disruption. I welcome it and I think it's a mm -hmm. disruption frankly that needed to happen in in many regards okay. and you know you talk about using it as a student. I think even if you consider this conversation we're having right now and then you think about the end of your semester in the program that you're currently enrolled in, how you're using AI right now to help facilitate your life as a student, assignments, research, mm -hmm. anything will fundamentally have changed by the time you finish the program. Like it's, it's just, Absolutely. and it's to me again, what an opportunity for us to kind of rethink everything. And I know sometimes that can feel exhausting and overwhelming in terms of just constantly re reinventing and um, reconsidering how we do things. But it is, I think we're at this really pivotal point in higher education and and then figuring out how this works and supports industry uh, as well as as professors as uh, higher educators and as students yeah and uh, yeah absolutely you know i reinventing is essential you know like uh, because for we change so fast and you know quickly there are like you know i had a teacher saying like there will be more uh, speaking based assignments you know like yes uh, that's what they're trying to work on so I'm all for it. I'm definitely mm. all for it. Uh, there's some point of me where, some part of it where, uh, for example, in medical science, you know, an AI can say, oh, this is what's happening to that particular patient. So this is probably the best action to take. So I'm all for it in the bigger scale. I can see where it can help positively so much. And of course, there will be always people who will use it badly. Uh, AI military. So yeah, anyways, whatever you want to think about it, but just move with the flow. And uh Again, so that's more of me, like as a marketer. How 
we hear a lot about freelancing, you know, uh, and uh, what advice would you simply give to people who want to start freelancing, whether it's digital marketing or, you know, be any of a remote uh, work which they can do on their own freelancing? What's your advice? It's great that that <laughs> continues to be an opportunity that many students, and, and to your point, you, you know, you know, marketing or digital marketing or communications, branding, strategy development, that those, you know, those are ones that tend to be a little bit more popularized, or you see folks that, that freelance consulting, ultimately, um, that it, that tends to be a path that they go down. But it really is now, I think, accessible and applicable to most any industry and craft and discipline. And advice that I give anyone considering doing this is if you can, and first of all, patience, and, and by patience, I mean in that if you can go work and gain experience under someone first. So be an employee first and understands what it means, understand what it means to be an employee, to work in an environment with other team members, to make mistakes, to learn from those mistakes and recognizing that generally speaking, as long as the mistakes you aren't making are like catastrophic to the organization, that the paycheck ferry will come every two weeks and yeah. deposit something in your bank account. Because when you are freelancing, when you are consulting, when you are an independent sole proprietor, you know, moving your way up to in a corporation uh, and maybe even hiring employees eventually, that you're working harder in many cases, not just to start, I would say harder to build up your portfolio, to do great work for your clients, whilst still having to go out and hustle up new yeah. business and also, you know, pay yourself at the end of the day. And that is, that is a tall order. Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. It is a grind. Uh, it is a tremendously rewarding grind. And it's, it's more accessible to, I, to me today than it ever has been before in terms of government resources, funding, the, you know, we talked about digital, like the internet, yeah. e-commerce. Mm -hmm. uh, you can... You know, we could leave here and within an hour, you and I can hammer out an e-commerce website and open it up for business and hustle up some advertisements online or do some posts and targeting. We could probably make a sale within 24 hours. Like it's truly that simple now. But in the long haul of maintaining this and, you know, the hustle that comes with working for yourself, again, doing good work, but then also needing to continue to backfill and bring in more clients, you can sustain you know, a longer term revenue stream for yourself and make a living wage is difficult to do, uh, but it's not impossible. And so my advice always is go gain experience first, if you can, working for a corporation in your field, work for someone else, learn from someone else. What have they done? How did they start the company? How did they hire their first five employees? What's their vision for the business in the next five years? What have been their greatest pitfalls, challenges, obstacles that they faced as a business owner, like learn from them first, gain experience first, build connections in an industry that you want to work in first, then start to, and even then I would grow into it. I would start freelancing on the side while yeah. I still have my day job outside of work hours. So recognizing that that's going to take some extra time of your own, mm -hmm. but in off hours, 
you're taking on one client or two clients and you're building up a base so that eventually when you exit and you open up your own business, whether that is like an in-person experience or online or both, that you've got some street cred. Like you've built up credibility in a particular industry. You have a portfolio of work that you can show to others that will validate why they're going to pay you money for your great ideas or your skills or whatever it is that you're offering. Um, and you've also, you know, understand and learn from someone about the things that you want to do and maybe don't want to do in your own business. But the contacts are key. Entrepreneurship and business ownership is lonely. It is isolating. When people ask you how it's going and it's going rough, which 98% of the time it is rough, uh, you feel obligated to say it's good. You know, things are great. Things are good. Business is great. I've new clients are coming in. I lost a couple, but we're fi it's it's lonely and it is isolating. And it was for me, especially as a woman. I think it's different now. Um, but as I was kind of coming up, even prior to owning my own uh, business, even as an executive in the field and the industry that I worked in was pretty male dominated, and you know I had to seek out. There were incredible male mentors that I've had in my career, like just stellar humans. But I also had to really take the time to say, okay, there's some unique perspectives here that as a woman, I need to kind of understand. So who are the other women I can have in my life that I can draw experience from and inspiration from? And as a business owner, it's the same. So recognizing that if you work for someone else first, you get to kind of build up that repertoire of other people that you can call on for help or advice, get out of your own head, because it can be so deeply isolated because you are just constantly working both on the business yeah. and in the business as well and so my advice always is go work for someone else first two to five years mm -hmm. get some experience gradually then start to take on some freelancing projects here and there when you feel like you're at that critical point in terms of a revenue standpoint where you can sustain yourself then maybe you can step away and then you know exclusively focus on that and growing that and the one thing is like work-life balance. How did you keep up with that? I don't think that exists. <laughs> so here's that, yeah. you know, I don't ascribe to that. And only here's why, because I just think it sets you up for failure and mm -hmm. just feeling terrible. Yeah. I used to joke and I still kind of do that. You know, I wake up every day and I'm like, I'm going to let somebody down at some point today. I'm sure of it. Like I'm confident it could be my sister or my mother my husband someone at work so, like it's gonna happen mm -hmm. and so i think if you seek if you chase balance you will continually be disappointed something is always off balance just my biggest advice is just be okay with that and recognize yeah. that re just recognize when that's happening mm -hmm. like where is the imbalance is the imbalance i'm working so much that i'm not focusing on some of the other things in my life that will help sustain the work like again proper nutrition come back sleep uh social time personal time and so you know you can sustain the imbalance often for for a little while mm -hmm. you know you can you can work through it and realize this is short term but the effort for, you know i think should be then how do i how do i rectify that imbalance a little bit and you know then something else might go off kilter for a little while. But I think just finding peace in the imbalance, but getting back to kind of doing the things that will help you perform as like the top of your game kind of everywhere, or at least attempt to, would be, again, looking at your core values. Like as a person, how do you define yourself as a human being? Like how do you want to show up in the world? And what do you need to do to do that? So 
again, I kind of, I'm joking and getting back to sleep. For a long time in sort of the first part of my career, and especially as a mother, as a parent, as any parent, if you're ever a parent, you would identify with this, sleep is something you can negotiate away. It used to be for me anyways. I'd be like, well, I have all these things to do. Okay, well, I just won't. I either won't sleep tonight and I'll get this project done in the name of the project because I believe in it and I have a deadline and then I can sleep later. That was like the narrative of my 20s and into my early 30s as a parent too because you just get you're just functioning based on like what does your child need and they don't sleep and you're still working and so sleep is something I always used to negotiate away it was something like it was you know when I needed more hours in the day I could take them from sleeping I do not advise that don't do that that's how you end up with burnout pneumonia like five times like it's just it's don't do that um and there are certain periods in your life where you know, you may be able to sustain that for a little while, but I think eight hours, seven to eight hours of sleep is key. At least it is for me to function at mm-hmm. the top of my game of like sleep for me now is like this non-negotiable that I, you know, I need and screen time. And so I got to this point of being disciplined of um, by 9 p.m. My phone goes on do not, do not disturb mode and it does not come off that mode until 730 in the morning. And sometimes I will get up at you know, if I have projects or different things that I need to do, I know for me, like my peak time to work, I'm a morning person. So clarity where my idea, or I can yeah. get into that flow of efficiency in where I'm spending my time on work. For me, that happens between like 4.30 and 7.30 in the morning. For other people, that can happen at like starting at 9.30 at night. So I think find your flow your time of when your optimal work time is where you're not going to be distracted by phone, emails, other things happening around you, uh, and, and protect that time. Protect that time with everything that you have. Um, and then, you know, other things in terms of balance is, you know, considering what do you need to be happy? And that changes all, changes all the time. Like, is it is it you need to be surrounded by beautiful, you know, the, beauty can come from nature, and vitamin D, like getting outside, beauty can come from art, from reading, from writing, from creating. So as, a, as an individual, what do you need to fill you up? And make that part non-negotiable, whether it's an hour a week, five hours a week, or daily time doing that, invest in that. It is an investment that will pay dividends into your productivity and your mental health and your physical health over and over and over again. It will allow you to show up everywhere else in your life um, you know, in the best possible version of yourself. Well, thank you so much for uh, this uh, work-life balance, uh, imbalance. <laughs> imbalance. Work-life imbalance. Embrace the imbalance. Embrace the imbalance, as you said. And I do agree to some extent with that uh, because I don't believe in perfect uh, balance. and It doesn't exist. There's always uh, things moving on in life. It's mm. just how you adjust here and there. But sometimes it's good to have some ground rules, like you yes. say those non-negotiables like i think this is what uh, is meant by the balance in work-life balance is having those moments where like oh this is your time for you those two hours with yourself like for example 9 p.m you put your dinner disturb and then this is where you zone out completely till 7 30 so this is your non-negotiables and then the rest cool you know, like, and also it helps if you love what you're doing also as well. as yeah. well. And that helps a lot is like, because you believe in the project because I can't imagine like, oh, you're not going to sleep tonight and finish a project. 
did that, done that. But yeah, I'm at a point where like, oh, I need to, for me, it's like, uh, it's like a Formula One car, you know? You need to recharge the batteries at certain point to reaccelerate Precisely. again. So Precisely. to sustain the 60 laps. So yeah. So right now I'm recharging the batteries. And then at the same time, you know, keeping up the pace, accelerating here and there. So yeah, uh, I that's how I visualize more like how I'm working right now. Love that. So it's a beautiful race, but like recharge, readjust, mm. do here, do that. And progressively it's boom, it performs well. What's one question which I forgot to ask you? Oh, you know, the question you forgot to ask me? Yeah. And, as, uh, and I'm, I'm borrowing this question from someone else. Okay. Okay, so they, and I think it's a great question. And you should ask it of all people that, like, just in your life. And okay. Because you are an exceptional person, and it's just been such a gift to get to know you. And I just even as well as an aside, thank you again for just giving me just selfishly some time to hang out with you. Uh, and, thanks and to talk. you for coming. Like, it's just such a gift. It's um, your last seven days and making that time for us, for me, the voice podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Really. It's, it's, it means super, super a lot. Like, I was thinking, do I send that email? I was, oh, uh, gosh. Yeah. Always, always ask. Yeah. Always, as an aside, ask. Okay, always, always, always ask. The worst somebody can say yeah. is no, always ask. Yeah. But the question yeah. you didn't ask me, and again, I, I'm going to borrow it from and I'll name drop here. I'm going to name drop two people in a second, but the first person I'll name drop who asked me this question, I thought it was beautiful. And you may know him because he's, he's uh, his name is Chad Lees. And I don't know if you've ever had nope. an opportunity to meet no, Chad, no. but I will make uh, sure that I introduce yeah. you to Chad before I go. Yeah. Chad Lees, I met as a student in the Advertising and Marketing Communications Program. He was a first year, well, I met him as a first year student in my marketing principles class and he reminded me that it was the fall of 2015 that would be my first full-time year so i was uh, part-time partial of faculty for a, about seven years i think and then i uh, had the pleasure of uh, becoming a full-time faculty member in 2015 and chad was one of the first students in uh, the cohort that i taught my first year full-time an incredible young man and has since gone on to take other programs here at the college, is an employee here at the college. And uh, since he's been an employee, I get like the gift of spending some time with Chad. We'll have coffee like, you know, every couple of months and just catch up. How's life? How's work? All those things. And knowing that I'm, I'm about to leave, Chad and I just had a recent catch up. And as we were concluding the conversation, the question he asked me was, do you have any memories of me? Like, what are your memories? When you think of me, what are your memories? And I thought it was such a beautiful question. Yeah. And so, because it forced me to be reflective. And I was like, oh, my goodness, Chad, I have so many memories. And so then we were, you know, we got into recounting all these memories. So the question you didn't ask me, which I wish you would ask me and that I'm going to answer for you now, is for you to say, Laura, like, what's your memory of me as Sean, as a St. Lawrence College student, as someone new to Canada and Ontario and Kingston and, you know, taking these big risks and out of my comfort zone moving through this experience so the question you didn't ask me is what's my memory of you my answer to you in that question is again so many but i vividly remember meeting you for the first so i should say before i even met you i heard about you about this student that was coming into this program we had and the college had never recruited a student from where you're from which is mauritius island mauritius islands yeah. and it was so exciting right this is like really exciting new opportunity to learn from someone in a, in a you know a region in a place in a country that we hadn't recruited from before so as a college you were sort of like yeah. oh my god 
She's like, I was waiting for you to get here. <laughs> and then, I, like, I get this, uh, you know, amazing advantage of, oh, my, and he's coming into the digital marketing communications program. This is amazing. I can't wait to meet him. Yeah. But my memory that sticks out is, do you remember those about me pitches, the 90-second pitch that you yeah. did about yourself? Every student in the digital marketing communications program goes through this their first week. So it's like the orientation activity. And it's like your first indoctrination to pitching, yeah. which you will do you know, countless times throughout mm -hmm. the program. And you have 90 seconds to pitch about yourself through images. Get up in front of the class. And it's a vulnerable mm -hmm. thing, right? Like you're with these people for the first time and all your faculty are there. And I remember your presence. I just remember you getting up. I remember your beautiful hair. <laughs> and I remember you... You know, you going through your pitch and talking so proudly about your country, like where you had come from, talking about your experiences moving into the hospitality industry and spending time in L.A. and spending time through Europe and Paris. And I remember you being vulnerable, talking about when the pandemic hit and everything changed for you because you were working in the hospitality industry and how this became this like pivotal moment of reflection, self-doubt feeling lost, feeling child, just that you got up in front of everyone and you talked about that and you were vulnerable. Again, at the end of the day, we're all just humans sharing this human experience. And I just had so much respect for you in that moment. Like you had the room, like we were all in the palm of your hand, leaning in, listening to your story. And I just remember after you finished, being like, I just can't wait to learn from him, like just to learn more about you and what you want to accomplish. And then we had so many other, like just countless conversations after that of you sharing with me your goals for the program and then just watching you through your time here at the college just become this incredible presence and a beautiful story that as a college we get to, you know, go ahead and watch you and celebrate you. And I will be like cheering on from the sidelines for you, like for the rest of your career. And I can't wait to do that. So that's the question you didn't ask me that I wished you would have, but I told you anyways, is my memories of you, which I will cherish forever. Well, thank, thank you so much, Laura. Uh, I, uh, again, like, this is the podcast where I'm the most speechless. I usually talk a lot, <laughs> and I would thought I would talk a lot, but uh, again, like, uh, and thank you so much. I have to say, like, uh, it's very funny. I will tell you the backstory of me choosing digital marketing. Oh, sure. <laughs> okay. So, um, so my mom... Uh, went to so 2020 and 21 were like absolute like bonkers years like so much things happening into and uh so arriving march i was 2021 i i don't know there was something like there was a dream which i dreamt and it was very intense like i knew after that dream the next day i had to do something great i don't know just like that and it was when I saw a Facebook ads of or irony like about going to Canada, and uh, I say I need to do that. I need to do that. That's where I'm going. It's like just out of the blue. There's no planning. There's no like you say smart goals or whatever. Wow. I'll do that. And I phoned that agency. I say I don't. Know, I was so depressed at that time. I just say I don't know what happened. Something in inner power inside of me. Call now. Call now. I called now. So I just call and I say, hey, I see that you're sending, are you still sending people for like uh, July or November 2021 or things like that? I say, yeah, cool. Yeah. So yes, you need to do that. You need to bring that. I went to my college, like my second college after three years to go and grab finally my degree. I say, hey, I need to pick up my degree, guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's going on? See, 
I don't know. I just feel I need to come and pick it. So, uh, and then I want to pick it, uh, do everything. And then, you know, like some stage, my mom got uh, a medical report that she was starting to get cancer cells in that time. And uh, then she needed to go away for that uh, operation. And then I got the acceptance letter at the same time, almost like oh, to come during September 2021. And I was like, uh, but I will miss my mom. Like, I won't meet my mom again if I leave for September 21. And then I had to take the hard decision of, like, postponing it. And January, uh, she will, well, it was when she was close to coming back. And I say, April 2022 is the date, uh, May 2022. So, yeah, it was a hard decision because I really wanted to come. And I was like, uh, but I need to stay for my mom. Like, I need her to come back from England and... So that I can at least, if something bad or good happen, at least I will have a six month with her, with her whatever happens. And uh, for me, I don't regret that taking coming to the summer because I my mom's still here. She's healthy. Great. Just, just so good. all of you know. Good. Uh, she recovered from it, and uh, yeah. So hopefully she can live longer than was expected uh, uh, at that time. And I know to keep up my morals at that time. There was a live session which you did with three students uh, at that time, a conference call, like where you talk about the digital marketing program. I remember. And I was still very, you know, like, is this for me? Is this for me? And I don't know when you switch on the screen, I say, wow, this lady is amazing. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> I was like, and then when you started talking and welcoming everyone, that's got to your level of person. Like, I don't know. Instantly, I had this connection i don't know for some reason or some way an inner force in myself trust that lady trust that lady because you know it's a kind of, i always exaggerate things the greatest game uh, who was it i say laura is the personification of a greek goddess so she is that mystical level of she person died. that uh, is <laughs> you know that kind of power which you feel okay follow there's a power which guides you to that person and that person cannot do you any harm because you're going to grow then you started talking with the student and i saw like oh these were your students like how you were talking to them like i, I saw the friendly aspect you know of how as a leader you were very emphatic you were casually conversing because in hospital it's very functional very military based mm -hmm. something but met, met great people but sometimes it's like okay, you're having this casual chat, you know, even after you left, you know, uh, they left long time ago, probably some one year, but you still have this connection. I, say, I want that kind of connection, you know, because in hospitality, I'm like a drifter, you know, I come, do my work, I leave, we probably will never talk again or something like that. So, and uh, yeah, I said, I'm going to do that program. I'm going to go there. And I started I'm going to get a bit ready for it, do a Google Garage certificate to get a bit know what is it about. And yes, since that moment, I say, put your trust, uh, you know, you're going to Canada, there's going to be that lady who is going to be there. <laughs> and somehow, some way, uh, she is going to be your guidance point. And still today, like uh, you just mentioning that presentation, I'm very emotional, just you remembering that vulnerable moment. Mm. I was thinking like, oh, because... You remember that? Because for me, sadly, I can't remember many things, uh, you know, uh, due to poof, uh, ADHD. But anyways, uh, and uh, so I just move with the flow. And for me, it's, that's very touching for me. And I, I said to you in the mail, like, 
for me, it's the moment you create with people. And, you know, when I become older, fast forward 20 years, stories which I will tell, I will show this probably to whoever it is yeah. in my Hey, this is the person that made me, like, uh, actually believe. Because sometimes in the program, I was like, ah, those people are not worth it to work with them. Mm. Ah, sorry, I'm sorry, I will blast you. <laughs> I won't mention him, but, like, it was very hectic to work sure. uh, yeah. with people. But I say, part of me say, do it for Laura, you know? Do it for, I don't know, it's like you with your mentor. I don't know, it's that connection which, like, you know, for sometimes you don't, you're doing things for yourself, but you need that extra motivation. Even that the essay, that podcast, sometimes I'm like, oh, do it for Beth. Like, yes. You know, B- yes. Beth is, uh, I say a lot, like, when Beth are, like, uh, amazing person to me, and I say, do it for Beth. You know, every project which I do, when I need it, Beth has this vision which she communicates for you, and you as well, you have that vision which you communicate to people, which you just feel, I feel safe here, and I, you give me that confidence, that motivation, and also that guidance, that proper guidance to go through everything perfectly well. So yeah, you, if uh, to go to a spiritual point of view, I believe that you have a personification of a god, like such a great goddess. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I you do weird references. BG is <laughs> there. You go. So I always do that. So the. Yeah. So what do we go through? Capybara, Capybara, BG's personification of the goddess. So I, I'm still gonna go with the Capybara. Capybara. <laughs> I think it's far more aligned yeah. with me as a person, but I appreciate yeah. deeply everything yeah. that you just said. Um, and I'm so happy to hear that your mother is healthy and happy, and just as a as a mother myself, mm-hmm. that you chose to stay back and ensure that she was okay is just lovely, and uh, and I empathize with that and. Just what every parent wants to hear from their children. So, um, you know, kudos to you for doing that for her, and I and just thank you, thank you, thank you for being yourself, thank you for letting me into your life, and thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you so much, Laura, for coming on the podcast again, and I can only wish you the best. You know, thank best you. what's for you. you yeah, know, best for you, your family, uh, in your new adventure in Toronto. It's not too far from Kingston. It is just down the road. I'll be back all the time. (gasps) I just realized something. Yeah. I said that I would name drop kind of two key and I and I kept alluding to this mentor. Yeah. Name reveal. I have to I have to do the name reveal. If if uh, if your listeners have stayed (laughs) tuned in to the end of this podcast. So and I love sorry, just as an aside, before I say that, I love that you said that in the end you felt like you you saw that in me. Because that was a big part of what I wanted to give back, that this person in my life helped me level up, push myself to be accountable to them because they saw something and ultimately then to be accountable to myself. So I, I love that you felt a little bit of that and, and I could have been a bit of that for you. And, uh, and I hope to do that for more people because it's the gift he gave me. I hope to give to others. And his name is, his name is Bill Crow. Have you met Bill? I've heard have you the probably name. heard the name? I've, I've is legendary. Seen the name somewhere legendary across st lawrence college he is speaking of gods and just like omnipotent beings bill crow is like he's st lawrence college royalty (laughs) he is in addition to that too just a i i don't have words but a, a, a wonderful caring kind human being he is the person you want in your corner at every step of your life and he was a faculty member here. He had a beautiful long career in the School of Business for, I want to tell you, 35 years, 30, 35 years. Uh, retired, 
and you just he can't shake St. Lawrence College. He's back every semester, still teaching a course or two, still mentoring students, uh, and being an advocate and just a beacon of inspiration for so many up and coming learners at this college and colleagues and um, just all around great human beings. So if you can get a meeting with Bill Crow, any opportunity you have to meet with this man, you shake that man's hand. He is legendary. He will make you feel like you can accomplish the world. Just gift of a human. Well, I guess uh, Bill, Mr. Bill Crow can be very proud of you. <laughs> I hope so. I hope yeah, I make him yeah. proud. Oh. Yeah. And uh, very, very amazing. I've heard the name. I've seen it few named in some emails here and there but sure like, you'll know it when you yeah. meet him <laughs> trust me and yeah and i'm sure like fantastic job mr bill crow if ever you're watching till the end <laughs> and uh, yeah hopefully we can meet again someday me and mr bill crow we will do it like a cinematic way you know it, 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 there's a storytelling oh for sure it, it, it will come to some point when destiny makes it happen <laughs> or if we provoke it but anyway and second name, you said there was two names. Oh, is it Chad Lees was the one that Chad I mentioned? Yeah. Uh, and then Bill. Bill. Those are my names. Well, thank you so much, Laura. Thank, thank you, you for this amazing episode. So much uh, fun. We don't need the quick fire questions. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> we remain into the theme of like a very beautiful interaction between uh, teacher and student and that connection that we built just as human beings. And thank you so much. Uh, without uh, you, just know there's no voice podcast like this happening again. Uh, me coming to Canada and to those three students that participated in that call as well. Like they made me super comfortable as well. And uh, yeah, I just don't know, like just thank you, thank you. And even my mom said, say thank you to Aura for me. Oh, gosh, uh, I'd love to meet your mom. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure and, uh, on every level. Yeah. And uh, again, uh, but thank you again for to everyone who watched this episode, uh, you know, uh, watching the interaction uh, 15 years in the making of Laura here at SLC. <laughs> and uh, again, we can only wish her the best, follow her journey, and also continue to follow us and watch our podcasts. Uh, it's fascinating. We're going to have more amazing guests. Uh, it will be difficult to match, but everyone got a beautiful story to tell. And that's just worth it on the Voice Podcast. So you can follow us on our Instagram, which is SA Voice Podcast, our YouTube as well, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. And keep it up. It's now bi weekly during the summer. So keep it up on our socials. We have new things coming up. Thank you so much. And again, have an amazing week. Bye bye.